Hi loves. Welcome back to the self-care keto podcast. I'm your self-care keto coach, Jess, bringing you a magical experience to help you release the weight from your body and your soul. On this podcast and in my coaching, I love mixing together a combination of both the concrete strategies that will actually help you get to your goal and the mindset help to actually help you implement it and stick with it long-term. I find that most of us don't have a lack of knowing what to do. We just don't know why we can't seem to do it or stick with it. Turns out you always have a very good reason because all parts of you are good and chances are that what you call self-sabotage is actually you protecting yourself, meeting some kind of an unmet need, or very intelligently resisting some screwed up motivation for weight loss. We want to keep all of those things in place, but redirected in a way that allows you to have all of your needs met, feel safe and loved, and still lose weight while absolutely enjoying the process. You'll find so many episodes about these mindset topics, but I also want to emphasize the strategies. So I've created this self-care keto strategy series or SKS for short, because it can be so discouraging to actually be putting in the effort, keeping your mindset healthy, sticking to your strategies, but those strategies aren't actually getting you the results that you want. If you keep a mindset of pursuing how you want to feel and taking great care of yourself through what you eat, and if you keep showing curiosity instead of judgment and a willingness to keep experimenting, you absolutely will get to your goal. Sometimes we do need to switch the strategy. Sometimes what worked before isn't working anymore. There's no one right way to lose weight or to eat keto. In this series, you'll hear a variety of strategies from what worked for me from one season to another, and also what has worked for other guests that I'm interviewing. Whether it's high fat keto, high protein keto, carb cycling, fasting, carnivore, whatever, keep the attitude that it's not a strategy that will save you or fix you or heal you. Your inner healing intelligence does that. Keep that attitude that no outside expert knows what's best for you. You know what's best for you, even as you keep trying to figure that out. As you learn and grow, keep revising your own food boundaries for yourself. You're not hopping off one plan and onto another. You're always following your own plan. When you're not following the keto diet, there's no keto police. When you're not following the WW diet or whatever other diet, there's no failing at it. I am always on the just diet. You're always on the insert your name here diet. You don't find the right diet. You create the right diet that works for you. And it's all about taking great care of yourself through what you eat and fueling your energy and confidence to show up for your passion and purpose in life. On this episode, I hope you enjoy learning about a new strategy that doesn't dictate to you, but instead inspires you on your lifelong journey of food safety, food pleasure, and food self-care. All right, without further ado, let's dig into the topic, which is to talk about keto sweets and self-care. So what are kind of the differences here? How do these gel together? So let's talk a little bit about um, keto keto sweets, um, in particular, keto sweeteners. We're gonna dig all into the different keto sweeteners that are available. Um, I'll tell you the ones that I definitely think you should avoid. There's two of them. And then I'm also gonna give you some of the pros and cons for the different uh, keto sweeteners that are currently out on the, on the market. Um, so I'm not a scientist, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a dietitian. I am a certified life coach. I do have my nutrition training from the American Nutrition Association for ketogenic nutrition training. I just wanna give you a little bit about my background, um, but more than anything, I've been eating keto for eight years now, and I help all of my clients lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset. So I'm pretty familiar with the different keto sweeteners, but mainly I'm going to be sharing with you my personal perspective. I'm going to tell you which ones I use, which ones I avoid, and why. Um, so let's talk first about the goal of keto sweeteners. So from the keto sweeteners perspective, in other words, the marketing companies, um, their main goal is actually to keep these keto sweeteners at what they would label as zero net carbs, right? Because they know that the goal of a keto dieter is to count their carbs. Um, in particular, they're counting usually net carbs, which is total carbs minus any fiber that's found in the food because fiber doesn't spike your blood sugar. And also then you're gonna subtract any sugar alcohols, which we're gonna talk about what those are. But the reason why you subtract um, fiber and sugar alcohols from the total carbohydrate content is because these things don't 
spike your blood sugar. And so they don't have an impact on your blood sugar. You can kind of just forget that they kind of exist from like a, a net carb perspective, if that's something that you're doing. So these marketers, they really want to be able to advertise that something is zero net carbs or only three net carbs or whatever it might be. Um, so that's kind of the goal of the keto sweeteners themselves is basically, um, Ad, be able to advertise as zero net carbs, which kind of has the association of won't raise your blood sugar. Um, but from from a um, food stuff perspective or from a processed food perspective, that might not always be true. Um, but that is kind of the goal um, is basically not to raise your blood sugar. Um, when you are following a keto diet, we're trying to keep your blood sugar stable. We're trying to keep your insulin stable because when your blood sugar raises, your hormone insulin comes in to try to usher that out of your bloodstream because it could be dangerous when it's in too high of amounts. Um, and the, the carbs or the blood sugar raise is basically giving energy to your body. And so if you can't put it to use right away, insulin comes in and says, we're going to save this for later. We usher it into your fat storage. So insulin is a fat storing hormone. So what we want to do on a ketogenic diet or keto diet is we want to keep insulin very low and stable. We don't want to be storing more fat. We want to be burning more fat, right? And so we want to keep insulin stable, which means we want to keep your blood sugar stable. So all of these keto sweeteners are kind of making the promise of this isn't going to raise your blood sugar. So what's the difference here between the goal of the keto sweeteners and then the goal that I would say from a self-care perspective? I'm going to speak for myself. I'm going to speak for what I try to help my clients with. So from a self-care perspective, I approach keto sweets and keto sweeteners the same way that I would with any other food category. So for me, I want it to be, number one, providing some type of nutrition for my body. I want to be eating foods that are blessing my body, not harming my body in any type of way. And so I want it also to be a pleasurable experience. Like we're not going to eat something that just tastes nasty just because it provides pure nutrition. Otherwise I would just be eating spoonfuls of whey protein powder out of the jar. Like, right. That, that's going to be disgusting. We don't want to do just purely nutrition. We also want it to be a pleasurable experience and there's nothing wrong with deriving pleasure from your food. God made food taste good for a reason. It helps us to survive, right? So it's reinforcing the behavior of, yeah, we want to eat food. We want to, uh, you know, survive and, and, uh, propagate the species and so on and so forth. So it's okay for food to be a pleasurable experience. You don't have to fear pleasure from your food. We're going to talk a little bit more about, um, how you can balance um, gaining pleasure from your food without um, causing it to like hijack your brain um, and just go off the rails and you don't, you won't be able to, like, you won't feel that sense of self-control and being able to moderate yourself. So that's part of self-care for me as well. So I want it to be nutritious. Um, I want it to be pleasurable. Um, and then what I don't want it to do is I don't want it to harm my body. Um, and that includes like upsetting my stomach. Like I don't want to feel physically uncomfortable after eating some of these um, keto sweeteners. And that can really happen. So I'm going to I'm gonna let you guys know why that happens and which ones are causing those types of things and then kind of how I avoid that. So I don't want my belly to be upset. I don't want to raise my blood sugar. And then I also don't want to be triggered to overeat. So I'm going to explain to you guys a little bit about how some food combinations are exactly what trigger you to overeat. And there are ways to still have keto sweets in your life without um, those food combinations that are going to hijack your brain and basically trigger you um, and make you feel a little bit out of control. Um, I don't know if anybody has had that experience eating some of these keto sweets. Like, you know, you can't just eat one bar. Uh, you find yourself eating like two or three. Um, you can't just eat the fourth a cup of ice cream. You find yourself eating the entire pint. Um, you're not alone. And actually, it's been designed that way for a reason. And you're just human. Your brain is just responding in a very human way. Um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. So I'm the same exact way, guys. Just so you know, here I am. I'm a freaking keto coach, right? And I've been following this for eight years. And there are foods, food combinations that I avoid because I don't want to put my brain in that position. My brain is just a human brain. It, it It's going to light up all of my reward uh, receptors in my brain. And I'm just going to respond basically like the animal that we all are at some level. Like the brain chemicals are just taking over and it's going to compel you like, oh my God, this is amazing. Eat more, eat more, eat more. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or that you lack self-control. So we're just going to design your environment to set you up for success instead of practicing all this self-judgment about uh, why can't I just moderate like other people or whatever, okay? So that's what self-care is really all about. Like 
dismiss the judgment. Just understand that you're human and your job is just to take care of yourself with what you know about yourself and what you've learned so far. There's no failing, um, only learning. So I've learned a lot that um, what works for me and what doesn't work for me and I'm going to share that with you guys today. Okay, so let's get into the different types of keto sweeteners. I'm gonna start with the two that I would really recommend that you avoid. I am not in the business of demonizing anything. I like to share with you guys um, why I have my opinions on certain things, but I always do like to encourage you guys to experiment as well with what might work for you. Um, I feel pretty convinced about these two things though, that they're not really something to experiment with. They're something that, um, you know, just scientifically, it, it, ugh, it's horrible for you, okay? So um, the first one is maltitol. So maltitol is basically the sweetener that you're going to see in pretty much any of your old favorite brands of sugary things like candies, like Russell Stover. If you look at the sugar-free Russell Stovers, like flip that over, look at the ingredients, maltitol, M-A-L-T-I-T-O-L. Um, this is the sugar alcohol that is used in those types of sugar-free candies. So if you're seeing something like sugar-free Twizzlers, um, sugar-free Russell Stovers, sugar-free uh, Jelly Bellies, things like this that are in like the conventional candy aisle of like, you know, a Walgreens or a CVS or whatever, chances are that's going to have maltitol in it. And yes, it is a sugar alcohol. Um, the main reason why I would tell you to avoid this is it is gonna have like an instantaneous and pretty horrible laxative effect. <laughs> I have made this mistake um, when I first started eating low carb or keto. Um, there wasn't a lot of stuff out on the market like there is today. This was back in like 2013. So basically there was Atkins products and then there were these like traditional sugar-free candies and stuff. So, you know, I used to like go to the movies and whatever and I wanted some type of candy substitute. They didn't have all the great things that they have now. Um, so yeah, I was picking up those things like sugar-free Twizzlers, sugar-free jelly beans, sugar-free Russell Stovers. And pretty quickly realize that you will wind up on the toilet. <laughs> it is not worth it at all. So avoid maltitol. Those are not the only things that, it, that maltitol is in. Maltitol, you're still going to see it in things like Atkins products. Um, you're going to see it in things like, um, recently I saw it in, it's like, it's not crystal light. It's like a Weiler's light. It's like a sugar-free drink mix. And that uses maltitol in it sometimes. Um, uh, Carb Smart ice cream uses maltitol, things like this. So Pretty strongly, I would recommend avoiding maltitol simply because you're going to be on the toilet. You are not going to be feeling very good. Um, and also, a lot of times, the things that maltitol is found in, some of these conventional products, they're using also a lot of fake fibers and stuff, like trying to advertise zero net carbs or, or low in net carbs. And that stuff does raise your blood sugar. Um, the best way to know is actually to test your own blood sugar. But I know a lot of people don't actually want to go out and buy like a blood sugar meter. So I'm just trying to give you some shortcuts. But overall, I really do think that if you can test your own blood sugar and run experiments, that's obviously the best thing that you could possibly do. I've learned so much about myself just from doing that. You can buy one online. Line. They're in the diabetic section of like any pharmacy. You may even be able to ask your doctor for a prescription for one and get one for free, especially if you are diabetic or pre-diabetic or diabetes runs in your family. So there's different ways to get these things. Um, but yeah, I would save you that shortcut and tell you pretty much avoid anything with maltitol. So that's the first thing I would avoid. There's one other that I would say definitely avoid this and that is maltodextrin. So maltodextrin is not actually a sweetener itself, but it is found in a lot of keto sweeteners, um, particularly the, the big three that most people are aware of um, that are the man-made um, keto sweeteners that have been around forever. So like um, aspartame, um, in other words, like the blue packets. So NutraSweet or Equal, um, those are the packets that use aspartame. But of course, aspartame is found in lots of other things like diet sodas, um, sugar-free jellos, things like that. Um, saccharin, in other words, sweet and low, the pink packets. And then sucralose, um, in other words, Splenda or the yellow packets. So any kind of sweetener packets that you're going to see like at the restaurants. Um, so it is using the chemical sweetener that I just listed. So saccharin, aspartame, or sucralose. And then it's also pairing that chemical sweetener with maltodextrin. So maltodextrin is the carrier agent for these sweeteners. And it gives it that granulation to it because what they're trying to do is mimic like a sugar packet. So maltodextrin, again, isn't uh, it doesn't taste sweet in and of itself. It's the carrier agent that gives it the granulation to mimic sugar. But maltodextrin actually does raise your blood sugar and it's, it spikes insulin. So as more 
or as much as table sugar does, which is very interesting, right? Um, and that's why on those sweetener packets, if you look at the nutrition information, it's one carb per packet. And I didn't know this when I first started keto, so I want to save you the time. Um, but yeah, I used to go to Dunkin' Donuts twice a day. I was like a huge iced coffee fanatic. I'm still an iced coffee fanatic, but I, I make it myself at home. But yeah, the Dunkin' Donuts drive through twice a day, at least a medium, sometimes a large iced coffee with like three packets each. Um, so, you know, that's six packets a day. It depends. Sometimes I would also be putting that in my coffee in the morning. So sometimes I'm doing like nine packets. That's like nine carbs. If you're trying to do 20 carbs a day, which I was at the time, like I wasn't counting those carbs, but I was using half of my carbs for the day just on freaking maltodextrin. I didn't realize how much that was holding me back. So I wanted to share that with you guys. Um, so avoid maltitol and avoid maltodextrin. Now I'm gonna get, uh, get into some of the different keto sweeteners that are available and let you know just kind of some of the pros and cons of each and my personal experience with each. And then at the end, I'll tell you which ones I actually choose to use for myself and why. All right, let's get into sugar alcohols. So um, the first sugar alcohol, probably the most popular that you guys are gonna see in a lot of the keto products on the market nowadays is erythritol. Um, and then we're also gonna talk about xylitol, um, and then I'll also tell you guys about Boca Sweet and Allulose. Um, we'll cover monk fruit and stevia and stuff like that. Um, I know somebody mentioned here, hey Linda, that you use monk fruit and stevia. So we'll be talking about that in a second. But um, sugar alcohols are naturally occurring sweeteners that are basically found in fruits and vegetables, sometimes wood, sometimes corn. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but basically it's like hyper sweet and they kind of withdraw the, the sweetener aspect of it. It's called a polyol. Um, so it's not actually sugar, but it is very sweet like sugar. Um, and so they're kind of like withdrawing that and obviously it does get very processed. Um, so even though it's naturally occurring, it's still processed. Pretty much anything that says, it, even though it's naturally occurring, um, and they would say like, oh, this is better than like the chemical man-made stuff, like uh, those big three that I told you about. Um, everything is processed. Unless you're growing your own stevia plant in your house and grinding it up yourself, absolutely everything is processed. So um, just kind of looping back for a second, you know, a lot of these, like those big three that I was telling you, like aspartame, um, saccharin and then sucralose, a lot of people are concerned, like, oh, does this cause cancer? Um, I've read the studies myself. Um, you can go to cancer.gov and read about it. Um, basically, you know, all of these studies have been done with rats and all of these studies have been done with like extremely high dosages per day, um, basically eating well more, well more than their body weight and these types of things. So where I land on this is that um, you should make the best decision for yourself. You should read about it yourself. Um, and then also where I land on this is that it, a lot of times it's the dose that makes the poison. So yes, in extremely high dosages, some of these things have been linked to cancer, um, but also you could get cancer from extremely high dosages of fructose, which is a naturally occurring thing found in fruit. You can get fatty liver disease from, from that. Um, and basically, can, uh, cancer spreads off of sugar. Um, so, you know, sugar itself is not doing any favors when it comes to cancer as well. So that's kind of my view on it. A lot of times it's the dose that makes the poison. Do your own reading, um, do your own research and choose what works best for you. Um, but I kind of wanted to differentiate here because a lot of times people say, oh, well, if it's naturally occurring, then it's better. That's not actually necessarily true. There's pros and cons to each of these things. So sugar alcohols are naturally occurring. Um, and they, um, the reason why they don't spike your blood sugar is because it's kind of like a, like a fiber. Um, it passes through your GI tract, uh, doesn't get digested similar to fiber. And so because your digestive tract cannot actually absorb it or break it down, um, it just passes through. It doesn't raise your, uh, your blood sugar or your insulin. And the downside of the sugar alcohols is because of that, it can cause a lot of uh, gastrointestinal distress. Um, so maltitol is a sugar alcohol. So is erythritol. So is xylitol. Anything that ends in an OL is a sugar alcohol. And so still you have the downside. Uh, maltitol is probably the worst when it comes to the bathroom issues, but still a lot of people are going to experience um, some digestive discomfort, gas, bloating. Some people will wind up on the toilet all day. It kind of depends on your digestive system and your sensitivity to these things. Again, remember, sometimes it's the dose that makes the poison. 
so sometimes if you're just having a little bit in a small dose, you're not going to notice it as much as if you're, um, you know, eating way too much of this stuff. So erythritol has zero glycemic impact. Um, I would say kind of the downside to erythritol is that not everybody experiences this, but I definitely do. It has a cooling sensation. I don't know if you, you've experienced this, you're tuning in right now, drop me a heart if you've noticed this, but especially with like keto baking, um, you know, I'm making like peanut butter cookies, right? And so it's just like peanut butter and erythritol, right? And then you're eating it and it's like, the back of my throat is cold. It's so weird. <laughs> so you might not notice it in something like ice cream or um, pudding or something like that that's already cold. But if you're using it in a keto baked good that's not meant to be consumed cold, it can feel very weird for that cooling sensation to take place in the back of your throat. So um, erythritol, personally for me, it upsets my stomach. It gives me that cooling sensation. For those reasons, I don't really love it. Um, but the next sugar alcohol is xylitol. So this one has a very slight glycemic impact and it has a little bit of carbs compared to erythritol, but I noticed that it doesn't have the cooling sensation for me. Um, one thing to watch out for here is still it can cause stomach distress and it is um, poisonous to dogs. So if you have dogs in the house, make sure that um, you're not letting them get anywhere near anything that you made using xylitol. Xylitol is found in sugar-free gums. Um, it does have some health benefits, like it does help your teeth and things like that. So um, personally, if I were going to bake with something that needed bulk, um, because some recipes just need that. I'm not a keto baker. If you are a keto baker and you wanna read about which sweeteners are good for creating which textures and things like that, please go Google that. That's not what I'm here to talk about today. Um, but the point is, is that some recipes actually need bulk. You can't just use a liquid sweetener. Um, so if I needed something that was going to use bulk, I would use xylitol. Um, Boca sweet and allulose. So these are not sugar alcohols, but they function very similarly. They are derived from naturally occurring um, sweeteners. So um, it's not, it, it kind of is a form of a sugar, like a monosaccharide, um, but your body doesn't respond to it in the same way as sugar, basically for the same reason. Your, your GI system cannot actually digest it, and so it passes through and just gets excreted out of your body. Same thing. It's not going to impact your blood sugar, but it is going to impact your um, GI tract. So you're probably not going to be feeling too good in your belly if you use large doses of these things. And then um, stevia and monk fruit. So again, um, these are naturally occurring. They are like thousands of times sweeter than sugar. Um, there's really no bulk to them. So you're not gonna find just a pure granulated stevia or just a pure granulated monk fruit. A lot of times it's mixed with erythritol. So that's something to pay attention to as well. If you're trying to avoid erythritol and then you're buying something and it says, granulated monk fruit sweetener. Turn it over, look at the back. I can almost guarantee you it's mixed with erythritol because um, these things just don't have any natural bulk to them because they're so highly concentrated. It's going to be like if you were to buy pure stevia powder, um, it probably it's like a tiny bag. You're going to use like a speck of it, honestly, to sweeten something because it's just thousands of times sweeter than sugar. So it's highly concentrated, no bulk, and then a lot of times there is an aftertaste. Um, that would be my only beef with these things. I've tried them. I just really don't like the aftertaste of stevia and monk fruit personally. Um, it kind of depends on what it's in. Like my favorite electrolyte packets, um, Element, they use stevia and I can um, have it in there. Or sometimes a protein powder might use stevia and I can have it fine in there. But personally, like if I was going to put it in my coffee, I, I wouldn't like the aftertaste of, of that. So that's just personally me, but I think these are good things to use. Um, if you're going to use something, I think stevia and monk fruit are great choices. I also think that erythritol can be a great choice um, as long as you're not noticing a ton of, um, or xylitol, as long as you're not noticing a ton of um, GI distress and you don't mind that cooling sensation or whatever it might be. Um, in, a, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to talk about food combinations and this, this idea of like it hijacking your brain. But for now, just strictly speaking about the keto sweeteners themselves, um, that's kind of uh, the pros and cons and letting you know what they are, how it gets um, impacted in your body. Um, and then again, my personal choices, um, if I need something that has um, bulk for the recipe, like with keto baking, I would use xylitol simply because um, I notice the least amount of GI distress for me. And um, also I notice that it doesn't have the cooling sensation. So that would be my pick for something that where you needed bulk. Um, you can also get like confectioner, if you need like a powdered sweetener, like a confectioner sweetener, um, you're probably gonna need like a sugar alcohol one, so erythritol or xylitol. Um, 
I know like most of the confectioners ones are probably erythritol based if you're gonna buy something like Swerve confectioners. Um, however, if you have like a coffee grinder and you have your own xylitol, you can just like grind that up or like a high speed blender and it'll powder it for you if you prefer. That's what I would do if I needed a powdered sweetener. I would probably just grind up my own uh, xylitol. Um, I know that sounds pretty extra. It's totally up to you. You can, you can do whatever you choose. So Yep, those would be my picks. I would pick xylitol. And then for pretty much anything else, I actually use liquid sucralose. Um, and I was kind of like on the fence for a lot of years about sharing this with people because <laughs> it's sucralose, right? Um, it's one of the man-made ones. Um, but more and more, I've just been sharing this with people about my personal views on sucralose. Again, I've read the studies themselves. Um, it doesn't spike my blood sugar. It doesn't cause any gastrointestinal issues for me. Um, it, uh, tastes exactly like sugar. And meanwhile, like, um, aspartame, first of all, aspartame gives me a headache every time I have it. Um, so you gotta go based off your, your own experience as well. In addition to reading about these studies, if it doesn't make you feel good, just don't eat it. Um, and then saccharin and aspartame, they're much sweeter than sugar, but, um, sucralose tends to be pretty equal to sugar. So that's what I like to use. I use liquid sucralose. Um, somebody's asking which one I like to buy the brand easy sweets, the letter E, the letter Z sweets. I think it's a Z on the end instead of an S on the end. I buy mine on Amazon. So I'm going to link that in the um, description later for the playback of this. And I'll also put that in the, the show notes for the podcast. I share this with clients all the time. I like the liquid sweetener because it's already liquid. I'm just pouring it into my coffee. I put a couple of drops of that. Um, the kind that I buy, they send me like a bigger bottle. I keep that in my fridge at home. Um, no, it's um, e, the letter E, the letter Z. And then the word sweets spelled out and it, the S on the end is actually a Z. So easy sweets. Um, and then they send you a little bottle as well. So I keep this in my purse. Um, if you're a dude, you can keep it in your pocket. Um, I like to have that out at like restaurants or something. If I'm going to order an unsweetened iced tea, I just keep it in, um, in my purse and then I can sweeten that myself wherever I go. So those are the two that I use. And now I'm going to talk about um, how I use it. So in like what types of foods and in what types of food combinations. So um, remember kind of the self-care perspective that I'm bringing to this is I want it to ideally provide some type of nutrition. Yes, Linda, you nailed it. E-Z sweets. You spelled it perfectly. Um, and I buy mine on Amazon. So remember, I, I like there to be some nutritional value to all of the food that I'm eating. I want it to bless my body. I also want it to be pleasurable. Um, and then, so those are the two things that I do want. I'm approaching those things. The things that I want to avoid are, um, I don't want it to be harmful to my body in any way. And that includes like the GI distress. I don't want my belly to feel upset after eating a certain food. To me, that's just not even worth it. I don't want to feel physically uncomfortable after eating something that just tasted good. That's just not worth it to me personally. Um, I also want to make sure that it's not raising my blood sugar. Um, and I'm not just going to trust necessarily um, that just because this package is trying to be marketed to me as, you know, whatever, three net carbs, um, that I'm just going to trust that that's not going to spike my blood sugar. Um, that's my personal opinion. Uh, I'll talk at the end about keto products. Um, and then also the third thing for me is that I do not want this to trigger me to overeat. And so I have found that it's not necessarily the sweetener itself that is triggering me to overeat. It is the combination of the foods, the, the macronutrient combination. And so for me, I have found that keto sweeteners, um, including sucralose, like when it's consumed just by itself or put into a cup of coffee, I have no desire after having my iced coffee to go like you know, forage for something sweet. It doesn't impact me whatsoever. It causes no cravings. Um, if I pair it with protein, which I'll give you guys some tips on what I do. If I pair it with a protein-based food, again, it's just very satiating. It doesn't cause me to want to overeat or light up my brain. But when I pair a keto sweetener with a fat source, that is when all hell breaks loose for me. Um, my brain just lights up and I feel like I cannot moderate. So basically you're gonna see this in a lot of keto products out there. So like the keto ice creams, it's pairing keto sweeteners with fat. You've got heavy whipping cream in these keto ice creams and it's freaking delicious. It's so hard not to overeat it. Any kind of um, like, 
quest bars or things like this. Yes, like these things are basically pairing. There's there's like nut flours or whatever it might be. Um, and then if you're baking, like you're using almond flour or coconut flour. So these are fat sources. And so when I make like keto cookies with almond flour or I make keto muffins with almond flour or coconut flour, it becomes very, very, very hard for me not to overeat those things. I'm not gonna say that I never do it. Definitely like sometimes around the holidays or I make keto muffins for my daughter on a pretty regular basis. I like to put those in her lunchbox, but I try not to eat them. Um, and here's what I do when it comes to those things. Um, making keto cookies, keto um, like banana nut bread or like a zucchini bread or like, a, like any kind of loaf bread, cookies, scones, muffins, things like this. What I try to do is make them into single serving portions. So like instantly when I make something, I slice it up into portions or the muffins were already in portions or the cookies were already in portions. And then um, I will either make a small enough batch like around the holidays that I know I can't do too much damage, even if I ate the whole thing, right? Because I'm going to share it with my family. I don't want there to be a ton of leftovers sitting around. Or if I do want there to be leftovers sitting around, like for my daughter's muffins for her lunchbox, I will instantly put them into Ziploc bags and I will freeze them into single serving portions. Um, I'll put a couple in the fridge, like whatever I need for my daughter for that week. Basically for me mentally, once it's earmarked for her, like I am not going to go in there and like dig out these like Ziploc bags of something. I've I don't know what it is. It's psychological, right? So like these are for her. They're not for me. I don't want to like take something away from her for her little lunchbox. That's, these are the ones that are sitting in the fridge. And then the rest of them are all like in, um, in the freezer. So I'll do the same thing, like keto brownies, anything like that. Cut it up into single serve portions. Serve your family that night, like if it's on a Friday night, and then instantly put it into Ziploc bags, earmark it for whatever, if it's for one of your kids for their lunchbox or whatever, put the rest in the freezer. So that's kind of how I deal with like the keto baking when it comes to like combinations of keto sweets with a fat, like the almond flour, the coconut flour, the, the baking, the, the nut butters, things like that. Um, that's how I deal with it because again, I'm just human, just like you, it lights up my brain. Like I will eat the whole freaking batch. Like at, and I will be sitting there and I will be like, oh my God, why, <laughs> what did I do? Why did I do this? You know, the, the guilt and the shame cycle starts to kick in. I've made so much progress when it comes to all that stuff. Like, honestly, I don't let that drama last me more than a couple of minutes anymore. Um, but it still offers it to my brain, you know, and I'm like, okay, thank you, brain. Guilt is just your brain trying to help you regain control from feeling a, that sense of a loss of control. It's okay. Um, you can thank your brain. Uh, thank you, brain. I see what you're trying to do here. You're trying to help me regain control. Um, but I can regain control by making a plan for the next day. Um, you know, actually allow that to drive you to take action, um, to write in your journal about what you learned. Okay. I learned that I can't just leave those sitting out on my counter. I need to do something with them. I need to make a smaller batch. I need to freeze them, whatever it is, like use that to help you glean lessons from it and to take action differently instead of just going into the shame spiral. But really, those initial feelings of guilt is like your brain's just saying like, Hey, you can do better than this. And that's where we need to like, just say, yeah, you're right. I can do better than this. Thank you brain for trying to help me. But if you don't stop there and try to convert that into some lessons or some action, then it's just going to spiral down into the shame cycle. Then you're going to be trying to self-soothe the shame by eating more. I know you've all been there. I have been there too, <laughs> but all that to say, you know, it's okay that your brain initially offers you those feelings of guilt. It doesn't mean that you're a horrible person or that you haven't done enough inner work. My brain still offers that to me too. I just have learned how to respond more quickly um, to be productive with those thoughts that my brain offers to me. So um, again, that's kind of like the, the the major thing that I've learned here is like pairing keto sweeteners with a fat source, that's gonna, it's gonna be so hard for me. It's gonna trigger me. I'm not gonna be able to moderate it or it's gonna be very difficult for me to moderate it. So that's usually what I avoid when it comes to keto sweets. Um, now, I, I will eat a keto sweetener on its own or like in coffee or tea, no problems whatsoever, or I will pair it with a protein source, which is now what I'm going to talk with you guys about how I use keto sweeteners to still have keto sweets from a self-care perspective. I like having something sweet every day. Like I know that there's like people out there that are like, you know, we're also addicted to sweets. You need to detox your system and not have sweets for like six weeks or whatever it might be. Um, you know, okay, that's one perspective. Maybe that's true for you. If you want to do a detox, if you want to readjust your taste buds, go for it. Um, but if the idea of that makes you feel like, oh my God, if I have to do that, I'm out. <laughs> I want to let you know that there's another way you can still have keto sweets and sweet, a sweetness, um, in your, in your food palette and enjoy yourself by pairing it with some protein sources. 
So um, I'm also going to link, um, and there's a podcast episode that you can go back and check out. It's called 10 Self-Care Keto Desserts. Um, it's also in my um, IGTVs if you want to look on my profile to go back and find those. But I'll link that in the show notes as well and in the um the IGTV um, description so that you can go back. Um, but I actually list out 10 different desserts that I actually enjoy myself and recommend to my clients. Um, they're real food. Uh, that's the most important thing. It has nutritional value to it. Um, it's portion controlled. Um, and also, um, hmm, what is the third option there? Easy. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> They're so easy to make. Like, honestly, you can make it in like probably five minutes or less. So that's very important to me um, that it has to be quick because you know what else is quick? Like the your kid's cupcake that's sitting in the cabinet, right? So like you want it to be something that's just as easy for you to make because your brain's always going to say, just do the easiest thing, right? So they're easy things that you can make in like five minutes or less so that, um, you know, you don't have to spend an hour baking these things, but they're, they're sweet things that you can enjoy that are going to bless your body, um, portion control so that you don't overdo it. Um, and it's just easy. So, all right. So, but I'm going to tell you some of the, um, ways that I use keto sweeteners on a regular basis. So the first thing is I do put it in my coffee and my tea. I use that easy sweets, liquid sweetener. Um, I also put some of that liquid sweetener in my yogurt. I like to use uh too good yogurt, TWO good. It is a non-fat Greek yogurt and they have all different flavors. Um, hopefully it's sold at your grocery store, but you can also just buy like your own non-fat plain Greek yogurt and you can flavor it with like fruits and um, extracts and things like that if you want to, but hopefully you'll be able to find that brand. Um, it's only three carbs total and it's two grams of sugar. That's why it's called too good. I really like this. Um, I like, I have this every day um, and that's usually like my, my sweet dessert that I'll have after dinner. Um, so, and sometimes I even have two cups of it and I don't feel bad about that at all. It's a great, great protein source. There's not a lot of fat in it. So remember the combination of sweet and fat, that's kind of what triggers me to have more. Um, and it's got uh, like 12 grams of protein in it. Um, so I also like to put like toppings on it. In addition to putting a little, a couple of drops of the keto sweetener that I use, I'll use, I like to top it with like some fresh berries or some flax meal is usually like a go-to for me, the good fiber source. Um, and that kind of gives it like a little bit of a, like a crust type of feeling, like almost like you're having like a parfait, um, or it's a good substitute for granola basically gives like that good mouth feel. <laughs> um, so that's something that I really enjoy, um, having it with. Um, making mug cakes, keto mug cakes. So if you Google keto mug cakes, usually the base of it, um, the flour substitute for like baking something like that is going to be like an almond flour or coconut flour. But I actually like to use protein powder as the flour substitute. So I don't know if you knew you could do this, but you totally can. So if you have a good low carb protein powder, I like to use, um, Orgain Keto. It's a collagen protein powder. It comes in chocolate and vanilla. That's my favorite. Um, if you want to order from orgain.com, you can use my checkout code, the keto fit if, to get 30% off. Um, but also if I'm sure you've seen it around orgain is sold in like grocery stores and target and Walmart, it's on Amazon, stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of my favorite brand for making keto mug cakes. Um, so you're going to use crack one egg into the bottom of a coffee mug. Um, you're going to put one scoop of, uh, keto protein powder, about like an eighth of a teaspoon of baking powder. This is going to be enough to like make it rise um, in the microwave. And then like a splash of almond milk, just enough to get it. Like you want it to be kind of like a muffin batter consistency or like a brownie batter consistency to stir all that up with a spoon, pop it in the microwave. I'd start with one minute, especially if you like kind of like a gooey center. I do um, for the chocolate, usually maybe not for the vanilla. I'm weird, but yeah. So start with a minute and then see how you like it. Like kind of put a spoon in it and see if you like that consistency. You could put it in for another 30 seconds if you feel like it's too gooey. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's so fast. It's so easy. You turn that out on a plate or you can eat it right out of the, the mug. Um, you can top that with some berries. Um, you can put different extracts in that. So sometimes I like to put like a peppermint extract with the chocolate flavor, or I'll do like an almond extract. I also really like, um, PB2 powder. It's like a, kind of like a desiccated peanut butter. It's way less fat. Um, so you can still get that peanut butter flavor without hijacking your brain with the combination of the sweet and the fat. Nut butter, oh my gosh, I, I don't know about you. I have found myself having eaten a half a jar of nut butter way too many times, <laughs> more than I'm proud of. So um, PB2 powder is, is really good to have on hand uh, because it can give you that kind of chocolate peanut butter flavor without hijacking your brain with all of that fat. It's, it's low carb too. 
Um, don't be afraid. It, the the um, label will say uh, the three ingredients, it's clean. It's um, peanuts, salt, and sugar. Uh, so I know a lot of times with keto, we're like, sugar, oh no. But like, it's just a little bit of sugar. And honestly, um, compared to, remember it's the dose that makes the poison. Having a little bit of that compared to some of these keto products that have like 15 grams of sugar alcohol and like 20 grams of fake fiber and yada yada, I think this is a much better choice. Um, so keto mug cakes, sometimes I like to do a um, vanilla version. And again, I'll put like a couple blueberries in there. It tastes like a blueberry muffin, delicious. I like to put pumpkin spice powder in there sometimes um, or cinnamon powder. And it kind of like takes on like a churro or like a, almost like a pumpkin muffin type of substitute. So you can even put a little bit of canned unsweetened pumpkin in there if you'd like to. That's low in carbs and it's great nutritional value. So there's lots of fun ways to kind of customize your keto mug cakes. If you use a protein powder, again, it's going to be very satiating and I find that it really doesn't hijack my brain as much as using something like almond flour would as a base. Plus, a lot of us are not getting enough protein and it's such a good way to try to help get your protein needs met for the day. Um, protein actually um, not only is the most satisfying, so overall you're going to feel full and you're not going to eat as much throughout the day. Um, you need those amino acids for like all of the cellular processes in your body. And then also protein has the, the highest thermic effect of food. So what that means is that the energy that your body has to expend to break down the protein is like 25% of the calories from it. So instead of having a hundred calories of protein, it's really like you're only holding on to 75 calories of protein. Um, so I'm getting a question about our premier shakes. Okay. Ah, this is something that I see so many of my clients starting out with protein shakes. No, these are, I would not recommend premier protein shakes or really any bottled protein shakes that are on the market right now. I would not recommend go look at the sweeteners in there. Um, you know, it probably might have maltodextrin. Um, it might have maltitol, even if it doesn't, um, there are a lot of other inflammatory ingredients. Um, this, this little thing here is a little too much to get into, but like sunflower oil, sunflower lecithin, um, carrageenan, these are things that are used to kind of like provide like that thickness to it. These are highly inflammatory. And so what you wanna do to help yourself lose weight is to not inflame your body. Keto, when eating real foods, is one of the most anti-inflammatory ways that you can eat, but a lot of these products have inflammatory ingredients and they're gonna stall your progress, not to mention just make you generally not feel good. So I would not recommend any bottled protein shakes. I would recommend getting your own protein powder and even if you just shake the protein powder with some almond milk up in a, like a shaker bottle and take it with you, that's all you have to do to replace the protein shake. Um, but I like to use the protein powder. I feel like it's so, so much more versatile. Um, you can use it in so many things. So you can make like protein ice cream and protein smoothies I'm about to tell you about. You can make protein chia pudding I'm about to tell you about. You can make protein mug cakes. And then you can also just make protein shakes. So I think it's worth spending your money on something that can be used for so many more um, versatile options. And then also it's actually blessing your body. Um, also the, the type of protein that's used in these are, are usually plant-based proteins. It's not gonna be something that your body is gonna be able to as easily absorb as something like, um, I would recommend a whey protein powder, whey protein isolate, or an egg white protein powder, or a collagen protein powder. So these are all animal-based. Yeah, or game keto is a better choice for sure. Okay. So I've told you about how I put it in my coffee and my tea. I put it in my yogurt. Um, I make mug cakes with protein powder. Um, I also want to tell you about protein ice cream or smoothies. So really the only difference here is kind of the, the thickness of it. Protein smoothies you can drink on. Um, protein ice cream, like it's going to be so thick that you're going to have to eat it with a spoon, kind of like soft serve ice cream. So personally, I like the protein ice cream. Um, it's, it's so fast. It's so easy. It's a much better choice than having something that's a, um, an ice cream out on the market right now like Rebel or Keto Enlightened or um, some of the other brands I'm sure will come back to my mind in a few minutes here. I'm escaping the other one. Um, but wouldn't you rather eat something that actually has protein in it and is not going to hijack your brain than just having something that happens to be sold in a pint for $5? I mean, I would totally choose something that is going to make me feel good. Um, I feel like 
it's a much better choice for me health-wise and it's cheaper, quite honestly. Um, the only thing that you really need then is to have like a high power blender for something like this. So yeah, that's probably gonna be an investment. I have a Vitamix. Um, you can use like a Ninja, um, even uh, honestly, I mean, I've seen like these like single serve blenders. Um, I think they make like Ninja, but like Oster, like any of them that are just like, you know, it's, it's basically like you flip it upside down and it's the cup that you're going to drink it in. I think these things are like 50 bucks. So you don't need to buy Vitamix for like $200. Um, if you want to use it because it can be used for other things, like totally go for it. Or if you're going to be making it for your entire family, you might want to invest in something like, um, like a Vitamix or like a keto, um, or not a keto ice cream maker, just an ice cream maker to make your own, um, stuff like that. You can do that. But honestly, if you just buy one of the cheaper ones, that's like, you know, 30 to 50 bucks, as long as it's a high speed blender, you're going to be able to make, um, keto ice cream, no problem. Um, so what you're going to do for, um, keto smoothies or keto ice cream, uh, hold on. I'm getting a, a question here. Which sugar substitute is better of all sucralose, monk fruit, sugar, stevia. Okay. I really don't think that there's like, um, an answer that's just objective. Like this one's the best, um, sucralose, monk fruit, or stevia, um, for all of those, you're not going to get bulk. Um, so that's going to be an issue if it's like keto baking. Um, so that's the only downside to all three of those. Um, sucralose is about as sweet as sugar. Um, and it is kind of like the man-made version of it. Um, monk fruit and stevia are quote unquote more naturally occurring. But remember what I said before about how pretty much everything is processed anyway. Um, but they're thousands of times sweeter than sugar and monk fruit and stevia sometimes have a little bit more of an aftertaste than some people like. Meanwhile, sucralose tastes more similar to sugar. So, um, I, I don't really think there's an answer for better, um, from like a, like a health perspective out of these three. Personally, that's my opinion. Um, and I would choose sucralose if it were me out of all those simply because I don't like the aftertaste of monk fruit or stevia. Um, okay. So getting back into the protein ice cream or smoothies. So, um, basically you're going to need a liquid base. So I like to choose unsweetened almond milk for mine, but you can also choose like unsweetened coconut milk, unsweetened cashew milk. Um, those are going to be like the ones out of the cartons for the, um, coconut milk, not out of a can. Um, so again, remember what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to pair a keto sweetener with, um, protein and avoid a lot of fat. Um, it's not because fat is bad for you on keto, but I want you getting your fat sources from something that's like not going to light your brain on fire and in the in like pairing sweets with fat is basically what makes it really, really hard to moderate. I would prefer to get my fat sources from like the oils or the butter that I'm cooking with or avocado or olives or things like that. Um, those things don't make me want to overeat them. You know what I mean? I do stay away from nuts and nut butters because I find those things even just eaten plain by themselves are really hard for me to moderate. So fats are good for you on keto. Um, but in, if you overeat fats, you're not going to lose weight. And so that's kind of the fine balance there is we don't want to be afraid of fat. I want to use fat like a condiment, right? I want it to make my food taste good. Um, but I don't want to be eating fat as my main, um, fuel for the day. I want to be getting the main bulk of my fuel from protein. So I'm a big fan for weight loss of a higher protein, more moderate fat approach, not low fat. We're not avoiding fat, but we are also not, um, in my opinion, we're not having fat bombs. We're not putting MCT in our coffee in addition to having bacon and eggs for breakfast, things like that. Um, so I find that a lot of times people will lose, um, a great amount of weight for the first couple of weeks on keto, like the traditional keto, like 80% fat. 15% protein, 5% carbs. But then at a certain point, you kind of stall out. I don't know, maybe that's been you. That was my experience. It's a lot of my clients' experience. That that initial weight loss in the beginning is great because you're losing a lot of weight from water retention. You're losing a lot of weight from um, releasing the inflammation in your body and also from kind of just restoring your hormone balance that may have been out of whack. Um, but at a certain point, it actually does matter how much dietary fat you're consuming. Um, it, calories do matter at a certain point. I don't think you need to count calories, um, but they, they do matter. Um, I'd rather have uh, my clients pay attention to like the types of foods that they're eating rather than tracking every macro to the nth degree. Um, but usually when people get to a stall, the very first thing that I have them do is turn up the dial on the protein, turn down the dial on the fat and instantly the weight just starts coming off, off again. So that's another really good reason. You know, it's not just so that we don't overeat, but also like this is a really good macronutrient program profile for weight loss, if that's your goal. So um, you're, again, you're going to start with your liquid base. 
Use a lot more liquid if you want it to be drinkable, right? Only makes sense. Um, and then you're gonna choose some type of food that is a frozen food. You need, and I would not recommend letting it just be plain ice. That doesn't make it taste good. Um, so, but you can use, um, don't knock it till you try it, frozen cauliflower, I think is really, really good. Um, so you won't taste it at all in the food. And then it kind of gives, it's the, the lowest carb option, I think, for making like a, like a protein ice cream. So let's just say I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't going crazy with carbs because I already was close to my carb limit for the day. I would choose cauliflower as my base. So let's say I'm making protein ice cream. So I'm going to use maybe like half a cup of unsweetened almond milk. Um, I'm going to use probably like half a bag, half of a 10 ounce bag of like cauliflower florets or riced cauliflower. Um, a whole scoop of chocolate protein powder. And then if you like it really chocolatey, you can add a, um, like another spoonful of unsweetened cocoa powder. I like to do that. And then sometimes I'll just add an extract as well, like a little bit of vanilla extract, or you can play with it. So like banana extract, um, peanut butter extract, um, or some PB2 powder, um, kind of like just whatever you want to play with, raspberry extract, things like that. Um, so if you want to throw in an extract, go for it. But the, 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 um, Protein powder itself will already taste sweet. So you can even just do those three things. So almond milk, cauliflower, chocolate protein powder, blend it all up. It's gonna be super thick. Um, you just have to add a little bit more liquid if it's not blending the way that you want it to, but you do want it to be really, really thick. I find that keeping my blender on low the whole time until um, all of the cauliflower starts to break down, that's usually the best thing. So, um, and then I'll turn it up higher towards the end. So, and then you just put that in a bowl. I top it with some PB2 powder instead of putting mine directly in. I like a little topping on things sometimes, or I'll put like a few unsweetened coconut flakes on top just to give it like a little, little bit of a mouthfeel. Um, and to me, that's so delicious. Um, you can also use fruit as your base, or you can use like half fruit and half cauliflower. So if I'm going to choose like a fruit, maybe like frozen peaches, those are a little bit higher in carbs than something like frozen berries. So I'll do half cauliflower and half frozen peaches. And I'll do like um, vanilla protein powder, um, half cauliflower, half frozen peaches, of course, the almond milk, and I'll put in like some mango extract, like something fun, right? And then I'll top that with unsweetened coconut. And that is such a delicious um, keto protein ice cream to have after dinner. And that also makes a delicious smoothie. Again, you just add more, um, add more uh, liquid if you want to do that. You can use um, frozen berries are great. Any kind of frozen berries, um, the combinations of like the blackberries, um, raspberries, um, blueberries, strawberries. You could do just frozen strawberries. Um, you could throw, throw a couple of frozen peaches in there with some strawberries. So like any kind of fruit combination that you want to do that's like low carb fruit. Again, you can cut it with cauliflower if you want to. Um, you could do vanilla protein powder or chocolate protein powder with berries. Both taste amazing. Um, and again, you know, just add more liquid if you want it to be something you can drink in the car on your way out of the house. Or, um, you know, just leave just a tiny bit of liquid, just enough to get it blending and you want it to be super thick, like soft serve. So um, that's also what I do. So again, um, you know, coffee or tea, yogurt, mug cakes with protein powder, protein ice cream or smoothies. Those are my go-tos for like keto sweets from a self-care perspective. It's still delicious. You're still going to enjoy your food. It's blessing your body by giving yourself protein. It's not going to trigger you to overeat. It's not going to upset your stomach. Yeah. That's the jam. Um, so some things that I do a little bit more rarely, um, I will do um, if I really, really want maybe something more chocolatey or like if I want a little bit more fat, like so let's say I really want some nut butter, like this usually happens to me like the week before my period, my body does crave more fat, which makes a lot of sense because your body is burning like an extra 200 calories a day for the 10 days leading up to your period. It's a real thing. Your body needs more energy. And so I will sometimes consume a little bit more fat in those 10 days leading up. Um, and so I will sometimes just buy like a dark chocolate bar, like 70% or higher. Sometimes I've even bought unsweetened baker's chocolate. Like this took me a while to get to this point where I don't actually need any sweetener at all in it. But just like two squares of like an 85% dark chocolate. Yes, there's real sugar in it, but it doesn't upset your stomach like erythritol would in something like a Lily's chocolate. I actually like Lily's chocolate. I think it's a great, great choice. Um, but for me, like I try to avoid erythritol at all costs. So I, I would rather buy like a Ghirardelli, like 85% or 90% dark chocolate. I'll have like just two squares of that and I'll put like two 
two tablespoons of nut butter on top of that. Um, if that's if I want something really chocolatey. Um, and then I'll still let myself have one of these protein dessert choices as well, like the Greek yogurt with berries or something like that, because those two squares is not going to be enough for me. And then I'm going to want to eat more, but I don't want to do that because then you're getting a lot more fat from the nut butter and from the um, cake, uh, cacao. Um, so I would, I would have that with um, one of these other choices if I really, really want something like that. And I'll have that rarely. I also sometimes make protein chia pudding. Um, this is still a great source, um, but chia seeds do have some fat in them. And so sometimes I do find myself wanting to eat like more than one, more than one portion of this. Um, but I still think it's a great choice and you should try it out for yourself. So you're going to use a liquid base. I like to use again, unsweetened almond milk. Um, some people like to use like half and half or heavy cream or canned coconut milk. But again, remember those are fattier choices. It's going to be harder to moderate with the sweet taste. So I would choose like an unsweetened almond milk, like three quarters of a cup for like three tablespoons of chia seeds. I find that to be a really good combination um, to get the texture that you're looking for. And then again, play around with extracts. Some, one of my favorites is just to add some banana extract to that and um, some keto liquid sweetener and call it a day. And it tastes like banana um, pudding. So um, you want to just, you know, use like a, like a single serving mason jar or like a Tupperware or something. Um, and again, you can like meal prep this and make it in bulk if you, if you want to have them all sitting in your fridge, unless you feel like you would eat them all in one sitting, in which case I would not recommend that. The only thing about the, uh, the chia pudding is it's not going to be as quick. It's not going to be ready in five minutes. Like you really have to let that set in the fridge for, I'd say at least four hours, but it's best overnight, um, to get like the thick, um, the chia seeds have like a gelatinous, um, thing that it does. It like expands in the liquid and it, it almost kind of like has the texture of kind of like a tapioca pudding. Not everybody will love this, but I like it. Um, so protein chia pudding is good to do. You're just going to add some unflavored collagen protein powder to it. Um, I like to use vital proteins, unflavored collagen protein powder. Um, I, I have tried this with like the other flavored protein powders and I don't really like the way they don't dissolve as well. Um, into just the, the chia pudding, in my opinion. Um, but you can play around with it and see if you like it. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a great way to get protein in there. And just, again, that, the higher the protein, it's going to make sure that um, you're just feeling more satiated. Um, so I like to add protein to pretty much anything. Even when I make muffins for my daughter with like almond flour, I just sneak some extra protein powder in there because it's left, first of all, it's great nutrition. You won't taste it. Um, it doesn't change if you're using the unflavored collagen peptides, it's not going to change the texture of anything. And, um, also if you have a, a better protein to energy ratio, so the amount of protein ratio compared to the, the rest of the sources of calories, you're going to be less likely to overeat it. So I'll do the dark chocolate with nut butter. Rarely I'll do the protein chia pudding rarely. And then of course, keto baking is pretty rare for me, usually around the holidays or a party, or again, just that regular keto muffins for my daughter. And the way that I moderate that is to make a smaller, um, smaller, uh, recipe size, um, so that I don't have leftovers. Or if I do have leftovers immediately cut them all up into single serving portions, put them in those Ziplocs and then freeze them that way. Um, so that I don't give myself the option of overeating. All right. The last thing that I want to chat about here is keto products. Um, so it's actually awesome that we actually have so many more choices nowadays. Um, again, I started in 2013. It was just Atkins products on the market. Like literally that's it. Now we have so many choices available to us in terms of keto substitutes, keto products. There's like keto crackers out there, keto tortilla chips, like protein tortilla chips. I, I like those. I like the Quest protein tortilla chips as a, a great substitute or like some almond flour crackers so that you don't have to make them yourself. But let's focus on the keto sweets that are on the market right now. So, um, you're going to see things like quest bars. Um, you're going to see things like high key cookies, um, high key brownies. Um, let's see. Um, I have a question coming in. I've been on keto for two and a half months. I've only lost three pounds. I bought a blood tester. I'm, I'm 0.4. Is that an okay level? Why would I not be losing weight? It's very frustrating. Okay. Linda, to answer your question, um, the 0.4, um, for blood ketone levels, um, it kind of depends. Um, nutritional ketosis starts at 0.5. Um, so anywhere between 0.5 to 3 for blood ketone levels is optimal for somebody that's just starting out on keto. Um, over time, your body becomes more efficient at using ketone level uh, ketones as a fuel source. So you're going to see maybe a lower, like 0.4, I would consider to be like very light, mild ketosis. For somebody like me that's been in ketosis for eight years, 
I wouldn't see an issue with that, but for somebody that's just starting out on keto, I would probably think that like 0.5 or higher would be a lot more ideal in terms of getting all of the, the benefits of ketosis, like the appetite suppression, greater levels of energy, um, more mental clarity, things like that. You do not have to be in ketosis to lose weight. <laughs> Some people are like, what? <laughs> it's true. You don't have to be in ketosis to lose weight. And just because you are in ketosis does not mean you are going to lose weight. It's true. So ketosis just means that your body has switched from using glucose as your primary fuel source or carbs as your primary fuel source to using fat as your primary fuel source. So when your body is breaking down fat, either stored fat or fat from food, dietary fat, breaking down fat, the byproduct is called ketones and those are an energy source for your body. And when your body is using that as your primary source of energy, ketones, you're going to see your blood um, levels elevated. You'll also can see it on a urine strip. You can also see it um, with a breath breathalyzer testers or breath tester. So you can be in ketosis and you can be maintaining your weight because you're eating enough calories to maintain your weight. You can also be gaining weight because you're eating a surplus of calories, even though you're in ketosis. So this is something that I think a lot of people get tripped up on. Like, I don't get it. I'm in ketosis. Why am I not losing weight anymore? I would say track your food is the very first thing um, because what gets measured gets managed. And a lot of times we are eating more calories than what we really need. A lot of times we're not consuming enough protein and consuming too much fat. So those are the two things that I would recommend. First, start tracking your food. Um, make sure that you are not overeating on calories and then um, make sure that you're getting enough protein and paying attention that you're not going over in fat each day. Um, I'll also link in the caption here later and then in the show notes how to set up your macros using Carb Manager. That's one of my favorite apps to use and I'll help you to prioritize protein. Linda, you can also DM me if you need any help with that. So um, yeah, a lot of times people lose weight in the beginning, but then they're stalling out even though they're in ketosis and it can feel really frustrating. Um, but that's that thing again, where like calories count, but you don't have to count them. I'd rather you just pay attention to where your um, energy sources are coming from. So more protein, a little bit less fat, that's probably going to help you um, release that stall and start shedding some weight again. So back to these keto products, um, you know, Rebel ice cream, enlightened ice cream, um, all of these things. So these can be really helpful transition tools. I like to call these things keto crutches, you know, with no, you know, har no harm, no foul. Like I'm, it's not a criticism. Uh, my daughter actually just sprained her ankle last week. She's five. It was so sad. You know what they gave her? They gave her a little walker. Like I was like, oh my God. But like a lot of times you need a transition tool. She um, was she was not as strong as she needed to be to walk on both feet. So here she is using this transition tool of a walker or a crutch, right? Until you gain the strength um, that you need to not be so reliant upon that transition tool, right? And so a lot of times um, it is difficult in the beginning as you're trying to detox from like actual sugar, right? And so you're not as strong yet uh, as you will be in just a few weeks of getting yourself adapted to being sugar-free. You're going to go through that transition process. Your body's going to become what we would call fat adapted after probably around like four to six weeks. This just means that your body is like, oh, okay, this is our new normal. Now we're like using fat for fuel for the um, you know indefinite future, uh, it just takes your body a little bit of time to adapt. And those psychological cravings start to go away too after probably about two to four weeks. Um, so even though physical cravings might go away after two weeks, still like there's like a sensitive period for maybe like, for some people, six or eight weeks, like you see a commercial come on for Sonic ice cream Sunday, and you're like, oh my God, I need a, I need an ice cream substitute right now. And it's good to have something like that in your house for those moments. Or like, you know, your, your husband makes a plan of nachos after dinner and you're like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? I don't want to do this. So it's good to have like those quest protein chips in the house where you can have something over time. Um, you will get to the point where somebody will be eating something right in your front in front of your face and it literally will not phase you. I know that feels so hard to believe if you're like not in that place right now, but I promise you it's true. So again, I think these can be really, really helpful transition tools instead of like eating the quote unquote real thing. I'd rather have you eat the Quest protein chips um, or even like a plate of pork rinds and go a little bit over on your fat for sure, rather than eat like the real tortilla chips. I'd rather have you eat the Atkins M&Ms that do have a little, the maltitol in them.
M&M than have you eat the real M&Ms. You know what I mean? So um, it's still a step up from the standard American diet. But overall, um, you know, you're probably going to notice you're not even going to need these products as much as you think you do over time. Eating these products, um, they can raise your blood sugar. Again, if you have a blood glucose meter, it's really helpful to do. And it's not necessarily the keto sweetener that's raising your blood sugar. It's that fake fiber. So like, remember these, um, food manufacturers are trying to create these products that are advertised as zero net carbs. So they're putting fake fiber, not like real fiber from broccoli or berries. Like it's like inulin, like anything that's like a fake fiber, it, it can be raising your blood sugar. Um, so your mileage may vary. Some people might do totally fine eating these products for the rest of their lives and be totally happy, clappy with it. Um, but other people, I'm gonna, I find all the time that these products are causing people to stall out. And so some of the very first things that I do with my clients is like, get rid of those premier protein shakes, get rid of those Atkins shakes, stop eating a Quest bar every day for breakfast. Like we gotta like start prioritizing real food. Um, definitely not having these keto products as like your meal replacement would be the first thing that I would work on. And then after that, I would say like, let's try to limit it to like one keto product per day. Like if you really like those, um, you know, those Lily's uh, chocolate covered peanuts as a dessert, great. Keep those for a little while. And then, you know, little by little, I would love to see you start to make progress with choosing what I would call a self-care keto dessert. So like real food has nutritional value, portion controlled, easy. It's not going to spike your blood sugar. It's not going to upset your stomach. It's not going to light your brain on fire, making you want to overeat them. Um, and then just feeling bad about that. Okay. So it's kind of my views on keto products, my views on keto sweeteners and balancing it all from a self-care perspective. It definitely is possible to still enjoy your life. In fact, if you're not enjoying your weight loss journey, you are not going to stick with it. So let's not demonize deriving pleasure from food. Let's not demonize deriving sweetness from food. You can definitely still have all of these things on a keto self-care diet and still be losing weight and still reaching your goals. You guys, if you have any follow-up questions for me, you know how to find me. You can um, send me uh, an email to theketofit at gmail.com. I would love to help you. Um, keto advice is always free. Uh, answering questions is always free. I'm here to help because I know how overwhelming all of this can be. If you are interested in working with a coach, I am taking new one-on-one -on -one clients right now. You can learn more information on my website, um, theketofit.com. Thanks so much for tuning in for this episode and learning something new with me. At the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that we often keep chasing learning what new thing we could try to get to our goal. We can hop from strategy to strategy, blaming the strategy for not working when it might actually be that we just never were able to stick with it long enough to even give it a chance. Why don't we stick with it? Well, I mentioned that it could be you protecting yourself, meeting some kind of an unmet need, or very intelligently resisting some screwed up motivation for weight loss. The fact is we're just often unaware of what's actually holding us back. After all, if we knew what it was, wouldn't we be past it by now? I can help. My spiritual gift is coaching, which is the art of calling people forward into their full potential and helping them to remove what's getting in the way. I use my intuition to ask you powerful questions to help you release the wisdom and resources already inside of you. I'm a mirror reflecting back to you the best of what you can't see inside of yourself because you've been taught not to. And I help you experience self-compassion and unconditional love for yourself by experiencing it through me first, which of course I believe originates in God and flows through me. Head over to my website, theketofit.com to see tons of photos and read tons of client testimonials about how my clients not only lost weight, but completely transformed their relationship with food, weight, and body image. Weight loss creates a domino effect in our lives because shedding is very energetic. You will change your life in eight weeks of working together with me one-on-one. -on -one. Just fill out a request on my site for your free curiosity call, and I can't wait to talk with you.